Uh, but with that being said, and with that being said, and with that being said, with that being said, I'm really thankful I, I got that chance to go play at K State. With that being said, with that being said, thank you all. With that being said, I am. That being said. Hey guys, welcome to our Five is One podcast. And with that being said, uh, this is um, awesome for me to be able to do this episode. I'm actually in the basement of Choctaw Stadium uh, in Arlington, Texas. So got a chance to get back to Texas this past week. I uh, got a chance to get in the film room a little bit, and I'm excited about this episode uh, and our guest that's on with us this week. Brandon Thorne is uh, a friend of mine that I've known for a number of years now. We got to know each other through a common friend. Um, actually, probably before that, we maybe hit it off during the Alliance of American Football, maybe back in the day uh, yeah. that was going on. Um but Brandon and I have a, a common uh, a friend, uh, colleague in the offensive line trench world um, uh, in that aspect with Duke Mannyweather. And we were both attendees at Duke's O-line Masterminds Summit this past week in Frisco. Uh, and so it was really cool to reconnect with Brandon and get a chance to really um, talk a little bit of ball, have some dinner together and uh, have him revisit today uh, since we have a lot of fresh notes and it was an incredible experience being able to be around the top of the game. So Brandon, welcome aboard, man. Hey, thank you for having me, man. It's it's an honor to be here. I'm excited we're able to do this and had a great time, you know, this weekend and even the weekend before. I'm only, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to do that sled workout, but other than that, you know, everything, <laughs> everything went great. So. Yeah, and we'll get into some of those things. And uh, um, but Brandon, we you know I want to before we get going into this, I want to thank our sponsors. With and with that being said, so we've had a couple things, a couple people, and and corporations that have helped us out. Zoa Energy Drinks has been a big supporter of the XFL, uh, and so it always keeps myself and my partners going with the Zoa Energy Drinks. Uh, and Fix Sports is a training center in Colorado that we do a lot of our training with our offensive linemen. So we always want to thank Fix Sports for the work that they do and the opportunity to train guys in Colorado. Uh, and one of our sponsors, Hop and Sting Brewery, who I'm uh, rocking the shirt this week. Um, Hop and Sting is a brewery in Grapevine that I'm sure you know very well, Brandon, and, uh, yep. and uh, Duke knows it extremely well. They've been very supportive of O-Line Masterminds. Uh, they actually catered the event, and and there were plenty of uh, O-Line Mastermind IPA at the uh, social hour. Uh, but the guys at Hop and Sting always do a great job taking care of the Arlington Renegade offense line. Uh, they've fed the boys numerous times throughout the season and helped us to our uh, uh, our championship this past year. And Vicaro's uh, Texas Barbecue does a great job keeping the guys fed. Um, I wanted to uh, send a special shout-out to a new sponsor, uh, with Ray Crowther, uh, it's a name synonymous with offensive line play and sleds uh, and bags and shields uh, that help players uh, get ready to be on the field. But with Tip of the Spear, 
and Ray Crowther, they've created a blast shield that is the exclusive shield of five is one training. Uh, we want to thank tip of the spear, um, and, and also Ray Crowther, uh, for your support of five is one and helping guys be the best they can be. So enough with the sponsors, man. Tell me kind of what's your journey, Brandon? What, what has been your, um, timeline to get up to this point? How did you meet Duke? And uh, when did that relationship start and, and just kind of fill us in with your background? Yeah. So um, out of high school, I well, first in high school, I, I played offensive line, um, you know, kind of got moved there, you know, against my will in a way, you, you know, like a lot of people do, I think. And uh, just because I was, you know, back then, you know, high school, I was like six three, like 260, you know, I was pr- pretty decent sized kid. And I initially wanted to play quarterback, then I went to tight end, then I went to defensive end, then I went to offensive line. So the last two years in high school, uh, I played offensive line and, you know, just a di- just experiencing that world of having to take a pass set and trying to block, you know, division one guys that we faced in high school. I went to high school in Florida, saw a lot of really good players. Um, so I just kind of gained a little bit of an appreciation for what it takes to play the position and, and, uh, you know, after high school, I joined the military. I, I was in the Air Force for 10 years. Um, so I did eight years active, two years in the guard. But during that period of time, my love of football, you know, just continued to grow and grow and grow. And, uh, you know, fast forward uh, to like, I think it was 2013, the Air Force um, was downsizing. So I had an opportunity to leave early. So I took that. And the reason why I did it was because I always wanted to get into scouting and like team building was something that I always wanted to be a part of. Um, this has just been my biggest passion and something that I felt like I was, you know, kind of good at too. You know, I was writing for free while I was in the military for different websites. I would go take leave, go to the senior bowl, stuff like that. Cause I was stationed in Georgia uh, for five years. So I was right there. Um, so I did that, got out, uh, went to school you know, got my degree. But during that that period of time, I was uh, just, I joined social media and I started to reach out to people. Uh, the first guy I reached out to, his name was Ted Sunquist. Uh, he was a former general manager, general manager of the Broncos and uh, he was an Air Force veteran and he was living locally. So I saw that he was doing a speaking engagement at a college, like right down the road from me. So I just showed up, introduced myself, met him, uh, kind of told him my story and what I wanted to do. And uh, he had a website that didn't have a lot of content on it. So I started writing for it for free. uh, And we started a podcast together. So this was like a huge break for me, you know, kind of a dream come true. Because I'm a diehard Broncos fan, too. So I knew who he was. Uh, So he really took me under his wing. And through that podcast, we had on all these guests. You know, we had on the Charles Bentley. We had on Duke. You know, we had on all these people. And uh, I really was interested in what the Charles was talking about with offensive line, how he was training guys. And uh, I went to the Charles's clinic, uh, his first clinic that he ever did. It was in 2016 in Arizona, went there um, and just kind of, you know, was like a fly on the wall, just taking notes, learning. And then I met Duke through that. Um, And then me and Duke really connected and he left, you know, the Charles and did his own thing. And uh, Duke just kind of took me under his wing, you know, and, simultaneously I was on social media and I realized like, you know, nobody is talking about offensive line. And then when they do, it's, you know, not very like high level analysis, you know? So I was like, all right, you know, there might be an opportunity for me to do something in the media here. 
And, uh, you know, with Duke's help and then other people as well, the Scouting Academy, I have to mention them. Dan Hatman, former NFL scout, runs that. A great program I recommend for anybody wants to get into scouting. I did that as well. Um, so yeah, just work for free for, you know, several years. Uh, but I would go to these clinics and I would go visit Duke and I would go do these things and just try to learn more about the position, watch a ton of film. And, uh, you know, just one thing led to another, you know, I started to get some paid stuff through the media. And then, you know, two years ago, I started doing this full time. So it's, it's been like, uh, two, three years. So it's been a dream come true, really just to, watch football, you know, and get paid and, and focus on offensive and defensive line and uh, get to engage with players and coaches and stuff. And it's just really cool. I just, I like shining a light on the position and also like, um, you know, just contributing to the success of, you know, players and coaches in any way I can. And yeah, so it's, it's really a dream come true, man. It's, it's cool. Well, to have your insight from a guy that, uh, you know, played the position, because usually when you get moved to the offensive line, it's the last stop before the bus stop. And, uh, you know, I did that myself. I played linebacker, played D-line. And then uh, in college, they switched me from D-line to O-line. And it was the best thing I played in high school, but I just wasn't big enough. And then kind of ate my way, lifted my way, grew my way into into playing at the Power 5 level and had a cup of coffee in the NFL. But you've seen guys, you've seen guys, Kind of all different nature coming and going in the NFL, um, mm-hmm. and For sure. you know, with, with kind of your analysts, your background and player personnel, um, I'm sure that's the relationship. How it kind of stemmed through getting to know Duke, and I think we all see the game very similar. You know that it's we we've got a, a keen eye for great technique. Um, we, we see a lot of phenomenal athletes and, and people that shine the light on offensive line play truly understand that it's not just the biggest guys out there. You have to be just um, some of the best athletes. Uh, you have to take care of your body, your diet, your training, all those things that go into it. And so I think that's where the film study from your end of it, the coaching part of it on my end, and then it all came together to go to a place like at Sports Academy to have this summit where Duke put it all together and to have some guys like Lane Johnson. He and Lane were the originators of wanting to put together this summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think every year you've seen it really since since its inception to yeah. see how much it's grown. It was a couple guys getting together, doing some technique work, figuring out how to block these freak mutant defensive ends. Um, and then it became, you know, nutrition. It became about training. It became about financial responsibility. And this year, it even took uh, a, a major emphasis in just the mental part of the game. And so, um, it, you know, I wanted to kind of kick things off because this is the guy that I think is um, one that that kind of shows everybody what it's like to play on the edge. Lane Johnson, who's a product of Oklahoma. I work for Bob Stoops with the uh, Arlington Renegades in the XFL. And I told him I was going to see Lane at uh, at Masterminds at the summit. And Coach Stoops said, hey, see if he wants to come hang around next winter and, and play in the XFL and, and hang around with our guys. So um, he loves he loves Lane. Coach Stoops raves about him. Um, and he was not an offensive lineman when he came into college. I mean, he was skinny. To, I mean, you know about his background. Like, yeah, played quarterback. Yeah, yeah, he was a QB, played yeah. like 
tight end, all of a sudden it's like, hey, he grows his way into it. And Mm -hmm. just one of those freak athletes. And you see it on film. Um, Give me your take on Lane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, Lane Johnson. I mean, I think the the first thing that stands out, like you, you alluded to it, the, the freak athlete part of it is is certainly there. I mean, uh, just the way he moves, you know, it just looks different. And he also is obviously a student of the game and the way that he comes off the ball, his snap timing is just incredible. He really broke it down for us this year at Offensive Line Masterminds, which was really cool to hear. But that's where it starts with him is getting out of his stance. He's you know, nine times out of 10, the first one out of his stance, he gains a lot of ground out of his stance and he gets to his spot first. And uh, that's consistent. It doesn't matter who he's playing, what caliber of athlete, when you pair his athletic ability, his quickness and explosiveness with that timing aspect. I mean, he's just consistently beating guys uh, to the spot, like I said. So, and then once he gets to the spot, his balance and weight distribution are so good. He's rarely ever, you'll, you'll rarely ever see Lane Johnson on the ground um, he's always just under control and balanced and he has great length and he's able to, uh, well, his technique is very unique. I mean, he invites the bull rush. First of all, he wants guys, he exposes his chest, he plays with low hands, but he he has great timing with his hands where he's able to create leverage, like kind of on top of guys, pads and anchor. He is a double under guy too, but he just has kind of an unorthodox way that he stops the bull rush. And, uh, cause guys aren't really beating him around the corner. You know, so guys are typically forced to go down the middle of them and it's just, it doesn't really work. So, uh, and he can recover if guys go across his face. He's just like, you know, he's the best right tackle in football. So, um, but yeah, he, so he wins a lot. And then the run game too, he's very good. He's underrated there as well. He's, he's had some of his best years the last couple of years in the run game. Um, just what he does, especially like backside cutoffs and B blocks on, you know, backside of zone and stuff is just like, he's just so good. Um, yeah, there's really no weaknesses to his game. So it's so cool to hear him talk about it. He's so matter of fact in a lot of his stuff, which is just, you know, kind of funny to hear a guy be that good. But it, yeah, he he also is a student of the game too. You could just, you could tell, I think. Great. So what I did is I, I was, uh, had a great chance to be able to get in the, uh, get in the film vault and pull up some stuff from this past year. And we were just talking about Lane. And now I think I can control it a little bit more. You had alluded to really there isn't a whole lot of weakness in Lane's game. It's right. it, very consistent in protection. He's incredible, great, uh, great out of his stance. He he knows how to time the cadence, but really over the last couple of years has really done a nice job in the run game, being able to do some really some unique and some stuff here. I thought this clip was incredible from their uh from their championship game this past year they're mm-hmm. running tight inside zone he's the play side tackle mm-hmm. he's got it he's got an obvious pre-snap indicator against a wide four eye and a dn that's wide typically you're going to see guys go shuffle to cover and he's ready for the game that that um the niners are running they're running kind of a te stunt here yeah. and this i thought was just awesome in the run game yeah, they they picked that up well. They they you could tell they were expecting that, and uh, yeah, I mean, San Fran runs a ton of stunts, so you know they're liable to do that pretty much, you know, on any rep. So, yeah, their run game last year is just that unit. The way they operated was they were the best offensive line in the league as a group. 
you know, and they had, of course, Kelsey and Johnson, you know, Lane, you know, two Hall of Fame caliber guys. So, yeah, so much fun to watch this line last year, man. And here we go. We got we got a backside combo here. Yeah, they're running tight zone here. They got a backside tight end cutting off. So they're B blocking to the backside. Will backer. Yeah. Just you see the three spike and you just see the anticipation that there's going to be a gap exchange with the three spiking inside of the guard. Look how square Lane is. I mean, this is awesome how he's just square, hip to hip. They're getting great vertical movement. And then, you know, obviously not a great read by the backer, but how vertical they're getting this combo block. And that's just a walk in. That's incredible to see, man. Yeah, they they had that that backer right there is probably the best off ball linebacker in football, Fred Warner, too. And they had him kind of chasing ghosts a little bit in this game, too, which is crazy. But but yeah, just like you mentioned, the, the way that they cover things up and don't allow any color, or any kind of penetration whatsoever in between them right there. A big credit to Lane for having the, the quickness to get over there and cover that up. And then Siamalu does a great job of, you know, high leg kind of, you know, get that guy off the ball vertically. I mean, they worked they worked great together. And then before him, it was him and Brandon Brooks. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to have a new right guard this year, which would be really interesting. But yeah, they, they did work last year, man. That was a good good clip. It sure did. And, you know, just for finishing up on this game, I pulled a couple of the runs and just having an understanding of second level defenders. You're seeing a nickel uh, pressure off the backside. A lot of people are going to blitz to the side of the back and really just understanding, you know, they're B blocking on the backside, but they see an insert safety nickel showing up being the backside fitter. And just you see the understanding and the awareness. He's yeah. getting hip to hip. They got a great combo, but just seeing his eyes, seeing the vision yes. to come back and take a shot, you know, that it's not getting chased down on the backside. I thought that was just a really good clip of his awareness yep. um, to be able to get it done. And, yeah. Yeah. When I watch film, you know, I don't try to necessarily grade assignments like PFF does. I always look at traits and one of them is mental processing. And even if you don't typically like know the quote unquote assignment, you can, you can gauge, you know, if they're processing correctly, that one, certainly I think mental processing was on display. Also Kelsey man on the front side was awesome. How he knocked <laughs> that guy over too. Yeah. Big time. I mean, that's just a great unit all the way around. And, yeah, you know, I, typically, typically you're, you know, you, you focus on the unit, but it's it's awesome to see like Lane and Kelsey yes. pulling here. I mean, they're running yes. pin and pull. They're running wide stretch with pin and pull uh, to put the to shut the door on on the D end and the three technique here. But just to see Lane out in space, man, it's so cool yeah. to see him just drop step, having an eye on the on seeing if backer's going to be force. Now they get a corner mm-hmm. force up here and he's able to kick that thing out. And you just see the DB want no part of this man. And just seeing him able to, to move in space, create problems, displace the defender is pretty cool. Yeah. And this makes me think of, I think it was a year or two ago, the NFL implemented that rule where DBs aren't allowed to cut offensive linemen outside the box. Right. So now they just got to take them head up. So, I mean, you see guys just getting thrown out the club left and right. And it's, it's awesome because, uh, you know, protects linemen, you know, gives them a little bit of protection, but also opportunities for guys like Lane to just line guys up and just, you know, blow it open, which is That's awesome. It. And, uh, you know, those DBs, they see the big boys coming around. It's it's uh, it's lights out. All yeah. right. But we're, we're going to get a chance to look at a couple of these just drop back pass sets with him getting a jump on the cadence. They're having to go silent count, which 
you know, in a neutral site, it's, uh, um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, ideal. Yeah. But yeah. you know, you're having to get out of your stance and just seeing him drive off his instep. And he, he talks about using his upper body as almost like a catapult to get back off the line of scrimmage. And this yeah. is great about hand placement. Um, and then once he gets bull, cause he's getting pressed back in the pocket, but he yeah. does a great job of independent hands refitting back inside on the defender and then just his ability to sit and anchor and watching his feet get balanced back underneath. You don't see many guys do that. Yeah. The recovery 56 does a good job shooting his hands in there pretty quick uh, mm-hmm. lane. You could see him try to go up on top of the pad initially with that inside hand, but then, you know, can't quite create leverage has to reset and refit. And yeah, this was uh you know, I think a good clip to kind of show what we were talking about getting out of the stance quick. And I also am reminded of Duke talked about this and I don't know if Lane used this specific analogy, but with the hand, it's like, you're trying to pull a lawnmower out of your stance, yep. you know, rip it back. Yeah. I think that's kind of what Lane does, you know, really well out of the two point two. So Yeah. And, you know, I, I pulled a couple clips and here's, here's an empty protection and you're dealing with a wide four eye three, ta- uh, you know, D tackle out here where you're you're looking like they're going to be in twist mode and they're going to pin their ears back. But just watching Lane jab with his outside foot and his inside hand does such a great job of just hand presence yeah. for the TE stunt. And he understands it's QB draw. The only place that can create a problem is anybody that crosses face. So there's no way they're going to get picked. So he's heavy on the inside hand, clubbing the D end up the field. And five on five with that type of runner in the backfield, it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, they're the quarterback made their running game just so lethal because of just that plus one element of always having that quarterback threat. But yeah, that was that was really nice. There's a clip of Lane years ago doing that same block against Vaughn, mm-hmm. Vaughn Miller. And he like literally he goes with the inside hand and tries to like influence him upfield and he mm-hmm. makes him do a 360. It's <laughs> awesome. But yeah, just he's so good at those as well. Oh, here we go. On, on out, in, again. out in space, man. This is a screen yeah. out in space. They're just running kind of a um uh, a flat screen out to uh, two receivers here. And just to see him step up into the line, establish the run to get the linebacker to suck up. And he's flat, no deeper than a yard kick out, setting up the receiver, getting back the slot to get back and outside away from pursuit. It's awesome, man, to see him just get out there and, and uh, create a little havoc out in the perimeter. Yeah, absolutely. I love when the coaches just dial it up for really the offensive linemen. I mean, just and and on the opposite side, you know, Andy Reid, what he does with KC. But yeah, these are two the reason why these guys are in the Super Bowl. The coaches do such a good job of putting their guys in positions to win. And yeah, you want to get Lane and Kelsey up out on the move as much as possible. So yeah, but they're also doing some damage out here in short yardage. They've they've kind of changed the game on short yardage, man. Yeah. And uh, who knows? There's talk of of outlawing the QB sneak mm-hmm. here. Uh, we'll see if this continues because uh, the multi-million dollar men in the backfield uh, getting a chance to mix it up in here. But mm-hmm. awesome to see understanding hat placement, get off, and then just cadence knowing that they're doing this a number of times a game guys are always jumping the cadence but just seeing him lift and road grade and keep his feet moving and block through the whistle it's awesome yeah. man yeah absolutely that's an awesome play and the variations they have off of that they use motion yep. and they have little handoffs off it it's yeah that's sick here it is there's the jump on yes, the yes there I mean, that's he, it he is moving 
at the same time. So I think he's is. going off of Kelsey's head movement right here. Mm -hmm. As soon as he sees his head move, he's going. He doesn't even care yep. about the ball, you know, yep. right there. No, because you can't wait on that because there's no verbal cadence. Yeah. You're getting the tap from the guard on silent count. So as soon as Kelsey twitches that helmet to the side, you're gone. Now yeah. he's got an internal clock in his head. He's out and he's getting to his spot to intersect the D end to the rush point. And now hand placement, throwing hands, replacing once they get lifted, and then just seeing the feet anchor underneath and keeping him on the edge, not allowing any sort of uh, inside move and diverting the edge pressure. And that ball's out so quick, man. That's what they mm -hmm. do such a great job. You could see him. You, I don't know if you said that, but just that little hand flash he does does too, just to kind of elicit a response from from ninety five. You see with the outside hand, it's just real subtle, yep. kind of right there. He just shows him, you know, shows his hands. He and he does it a little bit more pronounced too, but that's real subtle. But yeah, he he even he has ways to mix it up that are really cool too. One of the things that Lane talked about is he'll change his stance just to mess with defenders. He'll yeah. show he'll show a run stance on third down. He'll show pass on on first down, just so guys don't get a beat on him. And here's a great look at picking up a twist. One of the hardest things to do, especially when you're a guard with your head turned around, mm -hmm. and then just trusting the guy next to you. This is awesome. Just body uh, awareness, and then being able to get his feet back off the line of scrimmage. Just that lower body flexibility. Yes, he is yeah. so. Um, uh, it's it's just so apparent this, how much he really works on his lower body and his ankle flexibility. Yeah, this is such a good clip for that man. Just watching his feet and the ankle mobility, like you said. I mean, wow. He he gives up. He he absorbs that so quickly and cuts it off right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's super. That that's a great illustration right there. Good good yeah. pull on that one. No, it's pretty cool. So yeah. um, so I wanted to um. I'm going to stop my share. We got the sharing going on there. Um, yeah. Any anything that you take back from Lane and and just what he had to say from masterminds? I mean, there was a couple of things he said to me that stood out. He said, "If you lose a rep, don't flinch. Hmm. Don't let it create. You know, don't let the previous play beat you. The next. Don't let the past play beat you. The next play." And win or lose, you got to move on to the next play. And that's the type of mentality you have to have as an NFL offensive lineman at any level, whether you're a college guy, a high school guy, you're, you're going to get beat. It's going to happen. And you just have to have that next play mentality. And, and he he talked about that a lot in, when he was talking to the group at Masterminds. Uh, anything that stands out, any quotes that you just had any takeaways? Yeah, there's there's a couple things. Um Let's see. So I, I was really struck by what he said about the guys on the team that are the least talented and the hardest working typically become the backbone of the team. Um, and they inspire the most talented guys to work harder, which I think he was kind of, I'm sure he had some guys in mind, you know, over the years. And then, you know, I, I think those guys inspired him, you know, like a Robbie Toback undrafted free agent, you know, 14 years, you know, those kind of guys. I thought that was cool that he said that. And then another thing with uh, finishing that he brought up, and I've heard this before, is on the front side of outside zone, he said that it, you know, kind of one of his pet peeves and one of the things that causes guys issues is turning your shoulders immediately, um, you know, towards the defender and kind of letting them olay you as opposed to keeping them square. And he was saying how the shoulders should mimic the the running backs, you know, staying on the same angle. Yes. Um, I thought that was a cool, you know, reminder and, and thing that he brought up that, 
you know, again, you know, that's just one of those detailed things that, you know, an all pro thinks about and stuff. And I, I just thought that was cool. That, that'd be a cool one to show on film too, maybe, maybe next year or something, but yeah, yeah for sure. Just because yeah. if the O-line and the backs aren't working together, then the play's doomed from the get-go. And yeah. you know, he, he talked about um, you, that you don't want to let the defense get a beat on you. And number one, we always talk about is getting out of your stance. And it's basically, he said, it's like you're a sprinter and you don't want to lose the first 20 yards of a race. Yes. So he said that he would in practice wear a 20 pound weighted vest. And so when you take the vest off, you're that much quicker. So he's doing resistance training in practice. And you see a lot of the guys that were there talked about how important practice and how important walkthroughs are and to not yeah. waste reps because physically you just can't pound week after week or, or practice after practice. You got to be able to get the mental reps so you can go out and do it on Sunday and be a consistent player all the time. So that was a huge takeaway that I had just, you know, him over training with some, uh, with some resistance. I thought was awesome. Yeah, I agree. We'll, we'll probably get to some other guys just, you know, as well, emphasizing walkthroughs because that was a persistent theme from all like these, you know, legends is how seriously they took walkthroughs, which I thought was great for the young guys to hear. No doubt. There was a ton, a ton of young high, uh, college guys that were in the room uh, yeah. and they were filling up notes. It was cool to see the the college guys and, and just the questions that they had. Uh, yeah. And even the younger pro guys that aren't exper as experienced, the, the younger guys taking taking so much away from it and just soaking it up like a sponge. It was cool to see that dynamic. Um, For sure. I'm going to share up. Oh, let me get out of here. Um, let me stop my share and I'm going to get out and. Uh, I'm going to pull up uh, some Teron Armstead um, nice. film here. Right. So uh, your, your experience with Teron, your, your take on him, um, you got, uh, you got a couple nuggets on him. Now he's brand new, just spent uh, uh, his first year in Miami, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. Just All signed right. a deal with them. Uh, yeah. After, you know, a bunch of years in New Orleans, but right. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tehran, I've I've worked with him the last few years, like making videos for him, watching all his reps for I think the last three, four years and just figure, you know, finding all his positive stuff. So, you know, with Tehran, um, gosh, where to start? I mean, I think you have to kind of lay the background, you know, down on him and just in terms of like Lane, a total physical specimen and physical freak. I think he has the fastest 40 yard dash of all time for an offensive lineman, which, you know, isn't necessarily translatable to the field, but it speaks to just his overall athletic ability, just an extremely athletic dude. Um, but with that being said, he's also very strong and he's also just an absolute technician. And maybe, I mean, literally he's like one of the toughest offensive linemen in football, considering every year, he, he, unfortunately he's, he's battled the injury bug his whole career, but he's played through so much stuff. And, uh, We'll talk about it, but one of my, my favorite parts of the whole weekend was when he got up there and talked about how he deals with injury. And it was just like a mic drop moment because it was just like it's a mentality, basically. And he he's kind of a throwback with like new school athletic ability. Uh, it's just he's a fun player, man. He's he's really underrated, I think. Yeah, it's really fun to watch him play and, and just yeah, how he's crafty. Yeah. yeah. And you see in my screen here was, is yeah. sharing with you. So here's yeah. a good look at a play action pass where he's just getting hands on. They're pulling the backside guard. They're moving the pocket for Tua here and just a phenomenal job of getting first meaningful touch, pinning mm -hmm. the, the B gap defender down, replace and refit and then anchor. 
yeah. you know, a guy that has the fastest time ever, yeah. you know, to see him type of do this, that that's, that's awesome to see that type of, uh, to see that type of athleticism. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He has the just really like elite play strength, you know, to go along with that athletic ability. And uh, it's really serving him well because, you know, you know, honestly, the athletic ability with age obviously kind of diminishes. And then when you're hurt, it even diminishes a little bit more. So right. he had a lot of leeway there, I think. Uh, so he's still athletic, but not, you know, maybe what he was four or five years ago, but the strength and just the the processing, it all just kind of, you know, makes his play speed still really good. He plays fast and he's, you're not going through Tehran very often. That's for sure. <laughs> no, you're definitely not. And here's one, just a good look at him anchoring. Again, he's just so big not to be able to, you know, power rush. He's quick out of the stance. He's aggressive with his hands and he's just getting the job done over there on the edge. A couple good clips here. Um, Yeah. Just to finish with him, he talked about the first thing that he ever looks at at an offender is when he film studies, can they power rush me? That's the first thing. Can you control the power rush? So, take away the bull and then now to be able to sustain speed rush and run it around the edge. I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have the threat of power against Tehran, you mean you have no chance because he right. he has to be able to, you have to make him respect that. So he can't just play the edge and, you know, mm-hmm. set, you know, inside out on you. And, and cause he has the athletic ability to just, you know, cover the corner and protect the corner, expand and, and just run guys past the quarterback. So yeah, that's and he brought up Brian Burns, who's a Panthers edge rusher. He's he's a great speed rusher, but doesn't have a lot of success against Tehran because he doesn't have a lot of power. So, right. um, yeah, but it was really cool how he he was done. this right here. How he switches up his I love his it feet. Yep, you know he's, how he comes. He's taking the inside right away. He's taking yeah. the inside and he's 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 keeping his inside post foot heavy. But see how much his stagger elongates. Yes. And now he's able to throw hands and he's underneath and diverting the power. And he's so just long with his levers, long arms that he's not able to let the defender get in his framework. And I mean, he's just setting it up, probably knowing that he's going to get a slide his way and the guards is going to give him buddy help. So you got to love yeah. them working together. Yeah. Good point about the guard for sure. But yeah, the, that's his, that's the man, his, the way he can shave off space on guys and the create different creative ways that he can do that. Yeah. He has just an entire array of pass sets that I'd put him up against any tackle in the league in terms of like diversity of, of techniques. Cause he just, he can just keep mixing it up on guys and you can't really get a beat on them. No doubt. Here's a great look at just a short set yeah, really. to attack a guy. I mean, even crossing over on mm-hmm. contact is something that just, and he's able to get a great finish. I mean, just yeah. one of the great finishers. I mean, it's just fun to see these guys get after it and, and play full speed um, through the whistle yeah. and just understanding where he needs to be, understanding the depth of the pocket. It's a wide rusher taking the wide, taking the inside away and then just rowing the boat with his hands, putting hands right on the outside breastplate, run the hip by, and just that edge. It's just such a clean pocket. It's great to see him move. Uh, in these edges. So definitely wanted to show a little bit of, uh, of Tehran, any other, uh, any other takeaways from, from your time with him uh, and, and you're getting to know him throughout your years. Um, I mean, aside from, from what I said, I just think 
just re- to reiterate the injury factor and the stuff, you know, he told us he tore week one this year, he tore his plantar plate, right. dislocated his second toe, mm-hmm. you know, he could have shut it down and and had surgery. And, if, you know, people, teammates, I'm sure would have understood, but he, he just sees it as adversity. He took the challenge. Um, you know, he, he just, he said that he worked, you know, he works to get the job done despite injuries. It's just kind of an old school, like, approach to to injuries in the game that I just respect so much from you know somebody who came into the league as like a super athletic guy you know sometimes maybe those guys you know aren't the toughest uh or whatever but yeah just that's the thing that always stands out to me and then how generous he is with his time with other guys he's always one of the guys leading the tackle group um and guys are just picking his brain all day long and he's just feeding them nuggets you know I just think that is uh yeah, he's just one of those players that I, I have a lot of respect for being around him. You know, it's just cool to see how he operates. He's easily approachable. I mean, as yeah. a coach, you, you want to be able to empower your players that they can have something to bring to the unit, not only just what he does physically, but the way he's able to communicate. And you can tell he's great in the room. He's going to be great with younger guys. He's going to be able to, hey, what do you think about this coach? And, you know, be open to doing different things. But he knows his body. He knows what he's going to be able to do. And it's really just cool to be around those guys that are approachable um, as a coach to see uh, to just see those guys in their element talking technique, talking the nuances, and all those younger guys just filling up notepads. And, I mean, it was cool to see all those young guys uh, taking it all in. A couple of the old school guys, Brian Baldinger was there, and Baldy always brings plenty of juice. And and uh, I remember Baldy when I was a player in NFL Europe. He was doing our games on Fox back in the day. And so I remember wow. we talked some good stories about being overseas and, and post game and celebrating with Baldy. He was always one that was going to be right in the middle of the action, but um, <laughs> he just knows how important five is one, those five guys together um, functioning together. And, and uh, he, he really uh, just uh, understands and takes it as a broadcaster, as an analyst and really uh, is able to show just the common fan what it takes. And I thought it was great uh, drop-ins that he had. Steve Hutchinson is 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 one of the best, um, you know, Hall of Famer. Uh, played, uh, uh, geez, how many years did he play? What was he? Um, was he I think 15? 12 or 13. Oh, yeah, 12 or 13 yeah. years. I mean, yeah. one of the best. And I, I he, he used an acronym that I thought that was pretty cool. Um, he said BBCP. And he, I was like, I don't know what that is. He's like, back before camera phones, <laughs> yeah. like, back before camera phones, yep. guys actually talked to each other. They actually hung out in the locker room. They didn't all go on their phones and and disassociate and just talked about the good old days. And he said, hey, guys, put your phones down, because that's why you see some of so many of the older guys love coming back to um, to masterminds because they feel like they're back in the locker room. They're back with their boys. They're back hanging out. And like Jeff Schwartz talked about it, too. He's like, man, I felt like I was back in the huddle and just Mm -hmm. talking technique and talking with the guys. So I think Hutch brought just so much perspective um, with it, with, you know, just how important walkthroughs are, how important game planning. And I think one of the things he talked about is watching film and watching film together as a unit. That was one of the things that I think is big. Guys will go and they'll prepare, but you want to do it as a unit because that's how you play the game. Yeah, I have a lot of notes from Hutch. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, he, he uh, took the mic a lot. He was great. 
Yeah, yeah, he really was. Um, but yeah, definitely one of the first things I have is a lot of quality time spent together. The closer you can get to the guy next to you, the better off you'll be. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, uh, he thinks that today's game is harder for offensive linemen uh, because of the prevalence of the passing game. And then right. he gave an anecdote when he was in Minnesota, Mike Tomlin was a defensive coordinator and how Mike you know, Tomlin always used to say that you had to earn the right to rush the passer. And then Steve said, you know, that's not as true, you know, in today's game as it right. used to be. Um, I thought that was, you know, kind of interesting. Um, I, you know, he made a, a few comments when we had that that discussion on handling stunts. And, um, you know, of course, pre-snap read is very important to get any tells. But then he said that he's a firm believer in falling into passing off games in the flow of the play, as opposed to kind of, you know, playing for it. So he said, block the man first. Anticipating it can get you in trouble. Yep. Um, so I thought that was kind of a cool thing. I haven't heard necessarily from anybody. Um, and then the stuff, you know, the panel, you know, when he talked about uh, ask yourself if being on the team is good enough. Um, you know, the day they draft you is the day they start looking to replace you. And then just all the extra work, you know, being first in in drills, like he said, you know, he was always the first offensive lineman in drills. And and then uh, Bruce Matthews coached him in Tennessee and Bruce was up there and he said, Steve asked more questions than anybody. And he was in like year 13. So I was just like, all right, man, these young guys hopefully are just jotting all this stuff down. Cause if Steve Hutchinson's doing this stuff, I mean, you know, who are you to say you, you can't do it? You know, now the panel was awesome. I mean, we had Lane Johnson, Bruce Matthews, Robbie Toback, Steve Hutchinson, Duke was up there. Uh, Richie incognito, which was awesome. Uh, Will yeah. Shields. I had the honor of playing with Will when I was with the Chiefs for a cup of coffee. So just to see the type of athlete and how serious he takes his diet and his training and just the nuances and the uh, the details of Will was awesome. Damian Woody and then Andrew Whitworth. I mean, that's just it's like the Mount Rushmore. I mean, it's it's awesome yeah. to see all those guys come back, give back to the younger guys. Um, and I wanted to hit on Whitworth, um, Andrew Whitworth, who's um, uh, just newly retired as of a year ago, went out on top with the Rams. And uh, I was going to share my screen and we can maybe talk about some wit stories as we watch a couple clips. Um, yeah. Hopefully uh, we can get this up and rolling here. So um, let me get this thing. But you got any points on, on wit while I get this thing queued up? Well, he was big on taking walkthroughs seriously, you know, yeah. how he he was he said he would never lose a rep. Um, you know, he treated those as live reps, you know, and and then he talked about how Sean McVay almost preferred walkthrough than practice because of the ability to, you know, focus on details. I thought that was cool. Um, and then how he never accepted help up off the ground, you know, because uh -huh, he yeah. knew he was an old guy and he didn't uh -huh. want to like appear old and you know, come off the ground getting help and always running to your guys and um you know so the you know the effort and the just how deliberate he was um intentional i think is a good word is you know it's no surprise he played as long as he did yeah i mean just and and i've got a couple coaches that i work uh jonathan hayes who was with him with cincinnati who's our offense coordinator here in the xfl just has the utmost respect for wit i mean the way he goes about business now not only is he just the sheer athleticism the size the length the strength but in, in him really being a true pros pro and being that guy in the locker room that's always doing the right thing and, you know, wanting to establish the physicality, um, yeah. 
being able to run off the ball to do this at, at his uh, at his age. I mean, he I was talking to him a lot in the breakout sessions. I would go and listen to the tackles a lot. And he would talk about like if they're going to run some sort of bunch toss and pin and pull play like he would never look out and he would always like look away, do different things to let defenders not get a clue of what he's trying to do. And all just the savvy vet nuances that he had to be able to uh, get the job done for as long as he was able to do. So it was uh, it was awesome to see. And uh, with that being said, I think my man Witt, it was great to just hear him and have him be a part of the panel. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's just um, definitely a legend, you know, of the, of the game, of the position. And, you know, just a kind of a unique guy, too, with his size, you know, not – I don't know that maybe every tackle could do what he did, you know, because he was so good about, you know, against the bull rush and his anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you have to get in position to do that as well. So I think he he is an underrated athlete as well. Um, yeah, oh, here it is. Here he is going on the ground. I mean, he said he would never let anybody help him up. And he would like, if I fall down, I'm going to get myself up. So he had some pretty good stories about that stuff. I mean, he talked about sprinting to the hash to set the tone at the beginning of every series. And when you see a guy like that, who's able to anchor and play and be consistent down year after year after year, and man, you got to have so much respect for a guy like that. And it was just, it was great to have him um, talk about like, what was important to him, the mental side of it. That was the technical part, the X's and O's, the size of strength, but just internally to be able to talk to those guys, it was cool for the young guys to hear it. Yeah, for sure. And he also, one of the kind of technical things that he talked about when uh, we, we were talking about, you know, getting off the ball, snap timing, I think it was right before or after lane, he's the one who mentioned, uh, you know, center's head movement or center's, mm-hmm. you know, like he'll he'll move his, you see how the center's kind of moving his fingers here, but yep. Um, you know, there's always some sort of cue, you know, that the center gives you before he snaps the ball. And that's what he's getting off the ball with. He was really, you know, insightful. I thought about some of the stuff that he was talking about, how he got off the ball consistently. Um, so I thought that that was cool. And he talked about how they had to adjust when they had Jonathan, Jonathan Sullivan to Brian Allen. And, um, yeah, so he, he gave a lot of good, you know, insight too into the nuances, I thought. No, definitely. And and just uh, the last group that I wanted to hit on was the guys at Kansas City. We had two guys that were able to be there um, at the uh, at the summit was uh, was Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. Those guys play together and, and won uh, won the Super Bowl this past year. So awesome to see those guys there and what they brought to the group. So I'm going to try to jump to some KC film. Uh, is, yeah. the screen, is the screen kicking over there? Yep, I got it. All right, here we go. Um, so I just, you know, anything on Creed that you have, just kind of your takes on Creed. I know he's a oh, left-handed yeah. center, and guys said, oh, when you're coming out for the draft, nobody likes a left-handed center, but guys do like winners. And that's, you know, yeah. to see him say, hey, I, I taught myself to to snap with either hand, whatever people wanted, and to have a consistent coach who just empowers players like Andy Reid and Andy, you know, and, and Andy Heck just to say, hey, man, we trust you. Snap the ball left-handed, go do your work, and here it is playing lefty and and passing off a twist. I thought it was pretty cool to just have that insight of of his draft process. 
Yeah, for sure. I've, I got to do a cool film room with Creed when he was coming out of Oklahoma and talked to his offensive line coach, coach uh, beat and bought quite a bit about him. And he just said like day one, Creed was a total stud. And yep. he said like pretty much, you know, just a couple of weeks after getting there at Oklahoma, he knew the whole playbook. He was like the quarterback of, you know, the line as a center should be. Um, I think his smartness, like his smarts, his processing is just really special. And you don't want to throw that word around a lot, but like his football intelligence, man, is just off the charts. Uh, and yep. then, you know, what he mentioned, you know, at Offensive Line Masterminds is he studies the the coaching tree of defensive coordinators to try to identify tendencies and whatnot. And um, so he's next level, like preparation wise and smarts. And I think he's the strongest center in, in the NFL right now. Um, so that, you know, he has that going for him as well. And he's a former high level wrestler. You could see just how great his leverage is. He's mm-hmm. he absorbs force so well. And he's also athletic, as we could see here. And by the um, way, I love I love yeah. this play. The the whole palms yeah, up. Is, We're gonna look to the sideline. I mean, yeah. just the 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 fun that they have out there, the guys that are flying around doing the the dummy check to the sideline and then getting a quick uh quick bubble screen to get him up there. I mean, you can say he's one of the strongest, but he's up there just mauling a play side linebacker who's out in the C gap. And mm-hmm. uh playing with an edge, playing with great tempo. He and Trey, it's cool to see those guys together and then, you know, getting out there flying around. I'm sure Trey wasn't going to let that one go very far. Um, yeah, Trey's but, uh, a, he's an enforcer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. You got anything on Trey as we kind of finish up with the KC guys? Yeah, I think if you draw up a guard, you know, you ask <laughs> most coaches or scouts, they're going to say, you know, Trey Smith is what I want. I mean, just the, his height, weight, mm-hmm. just build and frame. Uh, he's, you know, he's the prototype in terms of NFL guard. I think, you know, he's like six, five, three thirty or whatever, yeah. but he's built really well. And he, he's just, a, he brings that nasty tone setting demeanor. <laughs> there it is um, right on cue, running a yeah. trap right there. <laughs> yeah. Boom. This, when you watch Trey, I mean, this is, this is what he does every game. I mean, he's, oh. he's the enforcer of the line for sure. And, uh, I love guys like that. So uh, I thought this was cool. And I think he was the one guy that just, they were doing some demonstrations and he ended up just picking up the uh, sled like it was nothing. They, he was just right. driving that thing, picked it up like, all right, no big deal. He's doing it in his Jordans and, uh, you know, go out there and, and throw it around. So it was uh, it was awesome to see these guys and how approachable they were. And I think do creates an environment that everybody's able to put their guard down. There's no secrets. A lot of times when coaches do coaches clinics, they're very guarded you know, as players guys are coming in there and they're just trying to help each other. And it was great to see that dynamic. Uh, fun to hear from guys like Robbie Tobeck, uh, Ben Grubbs, uh, Jeff Schwartz, Richie Incognito. I mean, to have Richie there was pretty cool. I mean, he had a ton of stories. They asked, uh, the one thing that the quick takeaway I had on Richie was when they asked, hey, do you have any good locker room stories? He took the mic and said, no, I passed. So I thought yeah. everybody, everybody a died, on, died on that one. Um, yeah. And the, the one other quote that Incognito had, he said, um, um, he said, the run game starts with a mindset mm-hmm. and uh, you might have to break a couple legs to run the ball. I was like, that's my guy. I would love to have a dude like that next to me say, Hey, you got to do what you got to do to get the job done. So, um, yeah, he, you know, I, I have a quote, you know, like, like he's going to punch you in the effing face, you know, which is Richie all day. And then, but the key to that, which I thought was just really important. He said, to be able to do that, you need technique. Right. And, you know, that's the thing that gets underrated about Richie too, is like, he's really good with technique, um, play really good leverage. And he, he had the, uh, the uh, analogy of an airplane taking off 
you know, start low, work high, right. you know, which I thought was cool. So yeah, he, he had some insight as well, aside from just his mindset, which you know, was kind of legendary. No, I think it was great. And, you know, to, to have guys like Bruce Matthews, I mean, the hall of famer, I mean, the guy that played 19 years in the league and, and uh, Will Shields, who I have a ton of respect for, we mentioned earlier and Damian Woody. And I think the thing, just the last thing that I wanted to hit on the summit was uh, Jay Glazer came and talked yeah. about Duke talked about his book, uh, Unbreakable, I believe it's called, and um, really talked about the persona. Hey, these you guys are all the elite. You're you're the top. You're the alphas. You're the you're the big dogs. And in the NFL and in in football, it talks about you know you don't want to show weakness. You don't want to show any sort of uh, any sort of um, anything that's going to detract from the the machismo. And Glazer said, Hey, I, I you know I did MMA. I was a commentator, you know, and I had this persona, but I was, it was killing me inside and different ways that people cope with it. And I think Lane stood up and said, Hey, I've been dealing with some, you know, um, just the mental side of the game and just your, your mental toughness. And it is all about toughness. Toughness is all mental. And I thought it was cool to just kind of guys to take their guard down and talk about Jay Duke Lane, the, the mental side of the game and just being, uh, being right on that end of it. You got any takeaways on that? Yeah, I just to piggyback on that, really, um, I just think uh, the ability to be vulnerable in in that situation when your job is being an offensive lineman, you know, around all those guys, I think that's just cool, you know. Um, and for for them to, to to do that, I think, you know, probably struck a chord with a lot of guys in there, even if they don't say anything, you know, maybe necessarily right away. I, I'm, I guarantee some guys in there are probably thinking, a little differently after that. And if it can impact somebody, you know, in real life, you know, off the field and, and, you know, motivate them to get, you know, help or talk or whatever, I think, Hey man, you just did a a service for everybody there. So I, yeah, I think what they did was, was really cool. And, um, you know, added a, you know, even more value to the event. Yeah. So. It's, it's not just about playing ball. It's not just about lifting and nutrition. It's the mental health part of it. And I think people are starting to see that. And I think one of the guys um, mentioned, it's probably harder to play now, not only because of the, you know, more prevalence in, in the throw game than the run game back in the day, but everything you do Lane talked about is, is on Twitter. It's it, people are dissecting every play when back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, people don't even know who the offensive line was. Now all of a sudden after a game, you're getting blown up on PFF stats because of this and that and the other. So you, yeah. you have to be able to be mentally strong. You have to be able to deal with it and also compartmentalize what's important. You're the elite of the elite. You're some of the greatest play in this game, have confidence in yourself and, and to rely on the man next to you and rely on the group and having a good coach, having a good locker room that goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Being able to decompress in a healthy way, you know, I think is, uh, you know, huge for any, any high stakes, like job, you know, I mean, there's so much pressure. And right. I think that's what Lane was, you know, alluding to a lot is just the pressure, you know, was getting to him. So once he got that taken care of, it's like he, he just hit another level, you know, in his game, you know, over the last couple of years, really. And yeah, so it's just, uh, he's, he's walking it, talking it and and just living it in a really cool way. So yeah, it was awesome.
and giving back to other guys. And that was the big yeah, part exactly. about the summit. And, uh, yep. you know, with that being said, that's what this is all about, about uh, shining a light on the big boys and what they do. And and it's awesome to have your insight to this, just your expertise and, and how much you've studied guys uh, on the line of scrimmage. Brandon, it's great to have you aboard. Thank you for being part of this episode. Yeah, this is awesome, man. Thanks for having me. It's it's an honor that you'd want to have me on and uh, the film piece, man, just to so people could see it. I mean, that's just so cool. So yeah, this was awesome. Good stuff. Well, and with that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Sure. Please uh, subscribe, like, uh, ask questions, and we'll keep growing this thing as we go through this. And uh, with that being said, we'll see you next time. <laughs>